Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 60 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and joining me today for a special midweek edition of the podcast, two people on the same line and everything, a three-man podcast for the first time in a while. Uh, joining me are Zach Dillard and Corey McCartney of Fox Sports South. What's up, fellas? How's it going? What's up, man? Uh, just so you guys know, uh, Zach and Corey are in the same room, so uh, if I do a bad job of, in- of introducing them uh, and-, and talking to them, they're going to help me out by uh, saving my behind and uh, telling me uh, and just answering questions in, the- in, s- in some sort of order. But uh, thanks for joining me, fellas. No problem. We- we'll try not to talk over each other, but we, we-, we do that in our everyday lives yeah, anyway, so it's-, it's just used to it. You guys we finish can, each other's sentences. You guys can slap each other uh, in the middle in the middle of the room if you need to do that. But uh, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, the Braves have not played again, so the Braves are still one and five. Uh, not ideal start to the season, but I guess the easiest way to put this, guys, is to ask you right off the top: uh, How much do you take from the start? Because obviously, I think you guys probably acknowledge just as much as I do that small samples are kind of a, a perilous thing. But uh, do you take anything, if at all, from this? I guess Zach or Corey, you guys you guys can fight out and see who starts this thing. I mean, I think the the defensive miscues are concerning, and I think you know them hitting in the ground uh, uh, double plays is concerning. But then on the other side of it, I mean, there's offensive aspects that you hope are are signs of things to come. I mean, Matt Kemp, you know, we were joking before we came on, his OPS plus right now is three twenty seven, which uh, we know that's not going to stick. But you know, for him to already have you know four doubles and a couple home runs, he he's never been on a faster pace in any point in his career. So there's there's little aspects in the starting pitching what we've seen out of them. So I think there's things that you hope will carry through, but there's certainly aspects of the season so far that you hope are, are just anomalies. Yeah, it's interesting with especially. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Kemp. That's probably the you know the the, mo- the most positive thing is his start at the plate. But now, of course, he's sort of banged up with the hamstring injury. I was going to actually ask you guys as well about the hamstring. Like, is there a chance that lingers at all? I mean, I feel like muscle injuries are a little bit perilous. You know, with that said, he could be playing in a few hours as we record this. So I, I might look I might look silly for even suggesting this. But is there a chance that you could be worried about Kemp's hamstring long, moving forward? I guess Zach, if you want to take that one. Yeah, I mean, hamstrings can flare up, I suppose. I just think it was a really freak injury. I think that they had the quick overnight flight. Um, they got there very early in the morning and they woke up and they played in a snowstorm and that's, and then he made a diving catch and it, you know, kind of tightened up on him. I think most of it from what we've heard from Snitker and everybody is that it's just going to be precautionary and moving forward, they need Matt Kip in that lineup. Uh, when he's not in the lineup, I, I believe they had Adonis Garcia as the cleanup guy the other night. And that, isn't ideal. Um, <laughs> yes. so having having uh, having Kemp back in the lineup will certainly help them as much as he's had a fast start and Freddie Freeman's had some monster games. Uh, right now, it's the lowest scoring offense in baseball, and you kind of need your cleanup hitter um, back in the fold. And you mentioned that he mentions the hamstring there. Remember last year, Ender and Ciarte, you know, three games into the season, 
he gets hurt in the first inning, uh, April 8th, and he's out for 29 games. So I think there's certainly some needed precautionary measures there because Kemp's hitting like that, and what he means behind Freddie Freeman, the last thing you want uh, is to push things at an early point in the season when weather's not your friend and potentially have him out for a long stretch. Yeah, and you, know, I, you guys mentioned how important he is, and there's some issues with Kemp, but uh, one thing is definitely not for debate, and that's that he they definitely need his bat in the lineup, in the middle of the lineup. Uh, you know, whether you think about lineup protection or all those things, you need that you need that power guy from the right side. They don't really have outside of Kemp. Uh, since I last recorded, the Braves uh, signed uh, Jason Mott to a minor league deal, and the bullpen's been kind of a question mark early on. I'm not worried about the bullpen, to be honest. I'll, get, I'll put that out there uh, ahead of time, but I'm wondering if you guys are worried about the bullpen, and if you are, or, or, or even, if, if, even, even if you aren't, uh, kind of how you feel about Jason Mott potentially cracking the bullpen at some point this year. I'm more concerned about bullpen usage at times than I have been about the actual players in it, because this isn't what it's going to look like when it's finalized. I think when Mauricio Cabrera comes back and AJ Minter, who just made his first appearance, they're putting him down in Florida, which sounds like it's a level down, but uh, they're just pitching him down in Florida because it's warm weather. I think once they're getting it full strength with this bullpen, it can still be, as I said, uh, Brad, when you came on the Chopcast um, before the season, I think this can be the team's ultimate strength. When you look at how they finished the season last year, and what their talent level could be uh, eventually, I, I think that this can be a strength for them. Chaz Rose certainly hasn't looked good. Erico Flaherty's been kind of spotty, but a little bit better since his opening day. But I think ma- more than anything, it's bullpen usage and making sure you're using your best guys in the highest leverage situations. I feel like we go through this uh, conversation throughout baseball every single year, but um, it, I, I, I think they have the talent to be okay there. I tend to agree. I think you know the numbers are not great early on, but uh, I was a fan. Not, not not exactly like a situation where the bullpen is going to be dominant throughout the season, but I'm not worried about them based on this small sample. There are a couple of guys who have not been fantastic early on. I think I'm a little bit worried about O'Flaherty uh, just because I'm not sure uh, just how much you can expect to get from him uh, rationally coming into the year. Obviously, he had a good spring, but that's, that's a guy I'm probably a little bit worried about. But in general, I'm, I'm with you on the usage of the bullpen and sort of the high leverage nature. Uh, Corey, I, I guess, I, guess I'm, I wanted to ask you about that as well. And, and really the sort of the bench usage and just sort of the overall performance of Brian Snicker so far because a lot of people are probably going to overreact to a six-game sample. Obviously, he did manage at the end of last year as well, but uh, are you are you okay? Are you a little bit uneasy with the way things have gone in terms of bullpen deployment, bench stuff, the stuff that we could actually see from the manager? I think you can definitely you know find your reasons to at least raise a, a little bit of an eyebrow. Um, I don't know if, if you're capable of raising a little bit. You either raise your eyebrows or you don't raise your eyebrows, I guess, unless you're the rock. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think there's there's certainly been elements of what we've seen. Remember last year, you win 20 of your last 30 games. You have the the full support of the players, and that's a big reason why Brian Snicker has this job. A slow start, I think, is going to be concerning when people say, "Well, you know, we we kept this internally," but then at the same time, they brought on Ron Washington as a as a bench coach with I think this perception that ultimately he could be the guy should things go sour. I think it was it was key for Snicker to get off to a good start to kind of avoid some of that early talk. But there has been pieces. I mean, a base-loaded situation during the opening week. Emilio, Emilio Bonifacio is your first option off the bench. Uh, you look at the use of Chaz Rowe, the, the use of Erico Flaherty. I think there has been question marks uh, with the way that those things have operated that, that makes you wonder why he's gone. I, now, I understand if a guy struggles the next in, in baseball, you want to get them out there the next day, the next opportunity, and allow them to regain that confidence. But I think there's there's been better options in this bullpen, and I think sort of the detriment to this bullpen 
is having guys having roles. And that was something that Jim Johnson talked to me about was feeling everybody had their role. Well, I don't think you you need roles. You need to have your, as Zach says, your best guys out there in your in your highest leverage situations. That hasn't always been the, the operating uh, you know standard with Brian Stinker, and I think that's been to his detriment this year at times early. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think it's, to, to, to pigeonhole guys into roles is always kind of what you, get you in trouble. I think you want your best pitchers pitching in the highest leverage situations. It's kind of what you want in the end of the day, and whether that's Johnson or Vizcay, you know, or you know, if, if Cabrera comes back and he's that good, that's kind of what you want, and you want to avoid the situations where you have guys that you don't necessarily want to be out there uh, in high leverage spots. But obviously, all this stuff is small sample, and I feel like I, I should probably say that again: is we shouldn't yeah. make uh, these sweeping judgments based on six games. But I'm a little bit worried, but uh, not to the point where I'm uh, pulling my hair out either. Um, before I keep asking you guys some brace questions, I think we should probably take some time to uh, talk about what you guys are going to be doing in the very near future on uh, a television set near you. So I'll let either one of you or both of you tee up uh, the ch- what I believe is called Chopcast Live. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We've been doing the Chopcast in its in its sonic version for a little over four years now, and so we'll be taking it to to, to television screens beginning Friday on Fox Sports Southeast. We'll be on at four thirty an hour before uh, Braves live pregame. And after that, we'll continue every Wednesday home game throughout the remainder of the season. So there's going to end up being 14 episodes. Um, the, the basic uh, point of it is, is it's going to be our podcast, uh, simulcast, basically, side-by-side uh, side, uh, with the shots of, of SunTrust Park and batting practice. And it's going to be a little bit of a free-flowing conversation, but it's going to be us debating a lot of the same stuff that we do on the show. Uh, it's going to be highly interactive, so people can get on Facebook, throw us questions for mailbags. Uh, they can interact with the show that way and we're going to have celebrity guests on Cole Swindell's on with us uh, week one we've got Jonah Carey lined up for week two so uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun I know uh, Zach and I are really looking forward to it and, and here's the thing Brad if if Braves baseball the actual game and our coverage of the game if, if, if that's the main event right that'll be Michael Jordan and every game uh, after and before and after Braves games you have your Braves live pre and post game uh, setting up the main events there'll be Scotty Pippen we'll be We'll be more like Craig Hodges, just on uh, on the bench, you know, coming in every now and then, giving up, you know, high fives, maybe a, a, an erratic joke every now and then, just just kind of being around. We'll be around. I'm going to be B.J. Armstrong and just chuck up three pointers. There you go. <laughs> I love. I'm not saying for a dynasty, but it. it that's what we're aiming for. I was going to ask that. I mean, does that mean you're going to win a bunch of titles here? No, it's Craig Hodges is a good reference. Although I think you're short-sighting yourself just a little bit, uh, Zach and Corey. I'm, I'm excited for the show. I'm a, I'm a big listener of the podcast. Enjoy you guys' work. So I would definitely recommend uh, to the people that they watch this thing. If I want to make fun of you guys, uh, because uh, neither one. I mean, I guess Corey's on TV all the time, but Zach, I'm looking forward to sort of your TV, uh, not not debut fully, but uh, your your full time debut. I'm looking forward to that and making fun of you off offline mostly. Yeah, because I, I send you screenshots every time you're on the Andrew Jones driven series. Every time you're my, my on my one TV, television send... appearance, yes, that's 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 all I've ever done on TV. So uh, I'll have I'll have the opportunity to return the favor to you after this one. Yeah, so, I, I fully expect repercussions for that, uh, <laughs> as you should, sir. Uh, all right, I got to ask you guys about some baseball stuff, I guess, before I let you get out of here uh, on this fine afternoon. Again, it's Tuesday afternoon, so people know when we're recording this. But uh, I'm curious as to how you guys think about uh, carrying three catchers, sort of as a general rule. Um, I'm sure you talked about this as well, but I want to get your thoughts here about just that kind of just doing that in general and with the with the way the bench lays out right now. Obviously, Ryan Howard is not a possibility. Do you think the three catcher thing is something that they're going to keep doing all season, or is that sort of situation where they probably went to record because of a lack of other options? I liked it back when it was Gerald Laird, Brian McCann, and Evan Gaddis, but it, that was because you had Evan Gaddis's bat and you had to find a place for it. 
this is obviously a very different situation and circumstantial because of the makeup of that bench. They really just didn't have another option. That's to me why Ryan Howard is so appealing and so in, so interesting. Uh, you know, Zach and I got into this a little bit yesterday. If you strip away the fact that this is not Ryan Howard from 2009 to you know, uh, before 2011, when he hurt his Achilles and, and led the majors in home runs over a six-year six period, you're getting a guy who's hit no less than 23 home runs the last three years and had a really strong year last year where his last month was 177 weighted run created plus. So I think I, I think he's, he's ultimately a, a piece that could really help them. I think that he comes in and, and you're going to see Anthony Recker back down in Gwinnett. Um, it's interesting that they have carried three catchers in the past. This year, though, it's just so much more about what's not there as opposed to what is there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering. I mean, obviously, I think I'm, I'm with you on that all the way. And that they, I think they probably carried record because of his bat more than his uh, his situational catching ability. But um, the fact that Wrecker was the best option as a bat is kind of troubling, uh, given, given the rest of the – obviously, the system as itself and the farm system is loaded. But at the top, not a ton of options there. Uh, but it sounds like you guys both think – I guess I'm, I guess I would ask you, Zach, do you think that's probably the safest route? If Howard arrives, it's going to be record that goes away? Or is there a chance that they can move off from someone like Bonifacio or Dono? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see Emilio Bonifacio finishing the season with this team. I think that he was – an option for them out of camp because he did perform well. And I think that the team put a lot of stock into spring training performances with Emilio Bonifacio and Eric O'Flaherty. And I, I, I just don't see uh, a couple of these guys really making, you know, a big time difference all the way through throughout the 162 games. And Anthony Recker is certainly the guy that's probably going to get the snub because if early on, if they ever do make an appearance, whether it is going to be, uh, Ryan Howard, or if they move in another direction, they've been linked to guys like Ryan Rayburn. Uh, Jared, I think Krasnick had that, that there's a few guys out there that they can bring in and probably upgrade their bench, bench really, really quickly. Um, I don't mind the Howard signing. I know that a lot of people have, I, I'm with Corey in this camp where it's a no lose situation. If he's not good enough, he doesn't play and you barely paid him anything. Um, I just I think this is a really weak bench right now, but it's interesting if they are going to carry Anthony Recker for his bat that they've only used him once. Uh, he's only had one plate appearances so far, so uh, it, it it's not a good bench. It, it's the easiest way to put it is it's not a very good bench right now. Uh, the only really shining bright spot on this bench right now is that Jace Peterson, since Matt Kemp has gone out, he's gotten a little playing time and he's performed really well, and I think that could help him as he's probably going to be their first guy off the bench all season. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Jace fan. I was encouraged that the Braves used him in left field uh, with Kemp's absence. Uh, you know, obviously he's not a natural outfielder necessarily, but he's a great athlete. I think he can play out there, and I was at least encouraged that he was playing over a guy like Darno or a guy like Bonifacio. I think uh, Peterson's upside is quite a bit higher. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys both about um, starting pitching. Obviously, again, very, very small sample here, but has anything surprised you or uh, worried you about what we've seen from the starter so far? Obviously, again, very, very small sample. Only one guy's pitched twice, but any, anything to take away there, Corey? And you can get into the stuff with Fulton Evich and the mental lapses in that snowy game in Pittsburgh, but I think I look at the whole, and you look at a team that last year was in the bottom third of the majors in quality starts, and you know Jaime Garcia is a run away from one. Uh, R.A. Dickey's an out away from one. 
So I think if you had gone through that and had four out of five quality starts, I think people might be, you know, overall uh, feeling uh, pretty positive about this rotation. Again, I think the thing with, with Fulton Evich are concerning because they have continued to be issues. But I think when you look at the pieces that were brought in, in Cologne, Dickey, and Garcia, what they got out of them in those first outings and what potentially was the game plan was to take pressure off that bullpen and, and aid those young starters like uh, Whistler and Blair and give them more time. I think, you know, you have to feel pretty strong about that. But uh, the Fulton Evich thing, I know Zach can get into that a little bit. Uh, that That's maybe where your biggest concern might lie. Yeah, I have I have nothing but highlight. I think that's the highlight of the season. Two series in is the off season plan was to upgrade the rotation. And it looks like that's exactly what they did. Julio has been um, exactly what they need him to be. Bartolo Colon is as advertised coming in. R. A. Dickey even. I mean, he gave up a, a good bit of singles and stuff, but he was really plagued by defensive miscues. The the knuckleball was diving down. He was getting guys to drive balls into the dirt. Um, yeah, as Corey mentioned, you know, Fulton Evich, certainly you did see a little bit of that, um, frustration and emotions. Uh, my counter to that, as Corey and I have talked about before is just, uh, he's pitching in the snow and had a terrible strike zone. So I think everybody would have been a little bit frustrated there, but, um, the one guy that I'm, re- I'm really highlighting, and I'm looking forward to this series of the Marlins is Jaime Garcia, because right now the Braves, uh, last I checked, uh, the second lowest ground ball rate in the majors, he's one of the guys that can help correct that. Uh, he had a lot of fly ball outs the first game. I don't know if his ball just wasn't moving that much, whatever it was, but you're looking at one of the premier worm burning pitchers out there. And when teams, if they can go, you know, Cologne, Dickey Garcia to really get hitters to be driving balls into the dirt. I think it's a really good situation for them, especially given the ceiling of Julio and especially full Nevich. Yeah, I thought I thought of you, Zach, about when Fulte has struggled because I know you're all in, you're dug in on Fulte bandwagon. But He's pitching in the snow, man. I, I'm, I'm I'm not making fun of you. I mean, I I kind of in the same camp that you guys are. I'm not really worried about Fulte after one start, especially. But uh, it was not a great situation for him. Uh, it should be said though that as of right now, as we record this, the Braves have the lowest ERA of the starting rotation in the big leagues, which is. A jarring really? thing to consider. Of course, it is, again, six starts. And by the way, an 0-3 record. So for the people that like wins, uh, lowest DRA in baseball, 0-3 zero, zero and three in the win-loss column. So worth pointing out. Uh, <laughs> what is run support? Yeah, what, what is... Julio never needs it anyways. What is run support and what is, uh, you know, bullpen? What is, you know, all, all those things that you want that we like to talk about. Uh, you mentioned the schedule. The Braves have two games in Miami, sort of a quick uh, two-game series starting tonight as we record this Tuesday and Wednesday before an off day and the SunTrust Park opening, and also your television show. Uh, next nine games, uh, I, I mean, I, I never I never like to do this with baseball because it's kind of tough to project, but especially that especially that Padres series, if the Braves struggle there against what many people think might be the worst team in baseball, do some alarm bells go off? I, I know it's a sample thing, but if they can't take care of business a little bit against the Padres at home, is that a worry point at all? They can just claim the alarm bells are part of the new features of SunTrust Park. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think so. I think this Padres team, especially this pitching rotation, uh, is is pretty bad. I mean, I, I we got a good chuckle out of on opening day. MLB's Twitter account sends out opening days for aces, and a part of their gif is Julie Chassin is looking at you in the face Oof. as far as being their ace. And uh, it's, he's starting here at Central Park. I'm yeah, sorry. he'll 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 we'll we'll get a look at Chassin again. Braves, um, Braves legend Julie Chassin. Braves <laughs> legend. Um, they, they traded him for a $10 gift card to Applebee's and apparently he's an ace now, but, um, no, I, I do think there is some stock to put into it because the team throughout the off season was like, we are not going to get off 
to the terrible start we got off to last year, whatever it was, 0 and 9 and 9 and 25, or uh, they just they don't want to go down that route again, especially with a new stadium. So I I'll put I'm I, I'm with you. I'll put a little stock into this Padres series as far as they can they have a chance to get back up near 500 and stuff in that series. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's 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 kind of important. Yeah, I just think four four at home versus a team that's bad, and I think uh, as you mentioned, a team was just seen as the number one starter, and it might be the worst team in the league. Uh, it's a showcase, obviously, because of the stadium, but it's also a showcase because they need to win some of those games. Uh, guys, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Please plug anything you'd like in addition to the TV show. Plug the TV show again. Uh, tell me anything you guys are working on over there at Fox Sports. We want people to read and listen to you guys. Yeah, I would love everybody to tune in on Friday, 4.30, Fox Sports Southeast, the debut episode of Chopcast Live. And we're going to have as much Bartolo Colon uh, renditions and imitations and gifts and stuff as we're legally allowed to use. We're going to bathe in the Bartolo Colon. Yeah, that's all That's all we got, Brett. Uh, other than that, FoxSportsOut.com. Also check out the podcast version of the Chopcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes, and that'll do it. Which I, I may have made an appearance on last week. Uh, for some you reason, did. you asked me to the come people- on that show. People can go find our now annual uh, preseason predictions and awards and stuff, which are going to be terribly wrong, but uh, they can't find it. It is there. We did, we did a decent job last year, I thought, so maybe maybe things will go pretty well again. Uh, by the way, do we know who's pitching on Friday? Do we, do we know that officially, or are we still guessing about that? I'm actually asking not, you. Yeah. yeah, not not officially. We're supposed to hear today, um, so probably in the next couple hours. Maybe, so you better hurry and put this podcast up. Yeah, I'll get but, it up in a hurry. Corey, Corey's been on the bandwagon the whole time, and he's might end up being right is uh, Julio Tehran. It makes a lot of sense just historically. And um, every time you look back at pictures and stuff of SunTrust, you have a guy that was a, a longtime, you know, number one starter for you or opening day starter instead of, you know, a guy that may be just kind of on a mercenary deal with like R.A. Dickey. Uh, Julio makes sense. Uh, it's it's a weird, you know, we were talking about Brian Snitker not to get off on a tangent, but it's it's been weird. There's so many off days that they have that, I I think that they could get creative, and I don't know if I would, but they might. I will definitely credit Corey if that happens because he was the one guy in, in the wilderness that I saw saying that throughout. He did. Oh, he did. He said they are going to finagle the rotation and get Julio to be starting on opening day at SunTrust or the home opener at SunTrust Park. I might have to mention that on Shopcast Live. Oh yeah. So now <laughs> see, now we've reminded That's him, right. and now he's going to brag about it. That is that, that is that is full circle and a great and a great pivot point. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast, fellas. Uh, hopefully things will go well. I uh, look forward to the show and encourage everybody to watch it. And uh, thanks for joining us. Man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. See you, bud. As for everybody else, stay tuned. We'll be back on Sunday at a regular scheduled time. And until then, enjoy some great space. Time.